0: All right, what's going on faith Church hey man welcome everybody my name is Steve Husky I'm the lead pastor here I want to welcome all of our faith family thanks for showing up this weekend I want to welcome those who are watching online come on let's give it up for them hey thanks for tuning in all over man it's funny I'll I'll catch uh, bits and pieces of our service live when I go back to my office in between services and Stopped back after first service, and it was still running live, just the announcements. There were people from Indiana, Alaska, people from Florida, people from Tennessee, people from Missouri, uh, people from Oklahoma. I mean, man, people truly are watching all over the United States, and so, man, I want to welcome all of you guys. Hey, we want to welcome all of our first-time guests. If you are first new here or newer here, man, it's great to have you guys here. Hey, real quick before we jump into the message, um, Pastor Caleb, I don't think he mentioned who the speaker is for the Women's Night Unbroken. It's Karen Kingsbury. Uh, so I would encourage you guys, if you don't know who she is, you can check her out. A lot of you obviously know who she is. How many people are Karen Kingsbury? you know who she is or fan? So um, I'll tell you, she's. Uh, you may not know this, um, she is married to my first cousin. So actually a $20 ticket is significantly less than she typically charges. I got the family rate. And uh, so what's happening is, it's open to you. You guys are the only ones who know it. We've not broadcast it except here this morning. However, it will go live tomorrow morning, and this place will sell out. So if you want a ticket, you need to get it uh, today. So God bless you guys, man. Just heads up, as you know that. Women, be here. It's going to be a great night. All right. Well, listen, man, it's good to have everybody here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but restaurants, I'm loving, some, I'm loving some restaurants. Anybody here enjoy eating out instead of cooking in or cleaning up? My wife cooks, I clean up, so I, I play a part. When you go out, let me ask the question, how many of you guys, when you go out to eat, when you go to a restaurant you're familiar with, how many of you order the same thing every time at the same place? How many of you are a little more adventurous, and when you go out, like, it's the same place, but you get something different when you go because you want to try new things? About about 70-30. First service is about 50-50. Here's the real question is, when you go to a brand new spot you've never been to, never been at, do you eat what you want, or do you eat what's recommended? Like, you just glance through and find something, or you're like, hey, I know for me, a lot of times, I'll ask the waitress or the waiter, I ask them this question, hey, hey, what's good here? Right? Have you ever asked that question? What's good? And it's funny, because they can tell you right away what's good. In fact, we were at a restaurant that's new in town. Um, it's called Ray's. If you've not been there, you check it out. It's, man, just an incredible restaurant. We were there Friday night, and I got everything the waitress recommended it was good, but I got, it, I got it because she was an incredible, incredible salesperson. For real. I mean, like, I have that, I have that. I got, like, we got appetizers, we got dessert. I ordered everything. If she'd have recommended I buy some plates to take home, I'd have bought them because she's a salesman, right? But a lot of times, again, we'll ask, hey, what's good? Now think about this. When you ask the question, what's good, and they recommend something to you, here's the question. Like, when they say it's good, do they mean it's good for you or it's good to eat? Because how many people know those aren't always the same thing? Like you can drink like a large seaweed shake. It might be good for you, but it's not probably very good going down, right? But if you eat a large hot fudge sundae, how many people know that is the definition of good? This is not good for you. So you ask this question, is it good? Again, you got to define more, like you got to figure out what do you mean by good, If you recommend a new restaurant, like you go to a restaurant and you're talking to some friends, you're like, hey, you got to check out this restaurant. It's really good. What do you mean by good? Do you mean they have good food or good service? Do they have good prices or a good selection? I mean, because you may not mean the same thing. It might be a place that has really good food, but maybe the selection is not very good. Maybe the service wasn't great. So if the service isn't good and the prices are high, is it still a good restaurant? See what I mean? It's just hard to get your arms around. What do you mean by good? What is the definition of good? Good is a word that is very vague and sometimes very subjective. Let me give you some more examples. Um, Some of you here maybe have had a conversation like this. I've had, I've talked to somebody, I'll say, man, yeah, that's a great person. And someone will say in return, well, you don't know him like I do. Whoa. (laughs) Well, if you only knew everything there was to know about him, it's kind of like my opinion of them is good, but their opinion of them is they're not so good. Do we have any Netflix binge watchers in the house? Yeah. I mean, I've seen people post on social media, hey, I want to binge series. What's a series. What's a good series I can watch? And you'll see responses. People will throw out their favorite series or something they've recently watched, and they'll say, hey, man, this is a really good series you need to check out. However, there's a couple spots you might have to fast forward because it's not so good. Oh, don't get all churchy on me now. Some of you ain't doing enough fast forward, and that's the problem. Right? Well, which is it? Is it good or is it not good because you got to fast-forward some stuff? Is it good or not? What about when you talk about some sports franchises? Hey, tell me about a really good sports franchise. I know, I know, I know. Alabama. (laughs) But, I mean, you can name a lot of really great sports out there, really great sports teams and sports franchises, right? You guys know I'm an Ohio State fan. Ohio State its a great program. Urban Meyer, a great coach. He's a good coach. He's a good program. It's a good winning program. Is it good? Because right now he's suspended because some people would say he's not so good. And he's not the only one right now that's facing suspensions and violations because there's a lot of good programs like Penn State. Are they good or are they not good? Do we mean they play good, but they don't have good players? They have good players, but not good. Like, what do we mean when we say good? Here's one. What about God? Is God good? There's a saying, maybe you guys have heard it in church before. I'd love today for us to get our arms around it maybe a couple times. Maybe you've heard it it's like this. Someone says, God is good, and everybody shouts, all the time, and all the time, God is good. Come on, let's shout that. God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Is he? Is he? I mean, I think, you know, because if you ask some people, some people would say, yes, God is good. And you can ask some other people, and they'll tell you that they don't think God is so good. You going to ask some people, is God good? Here's a question. Is God good when you get a raise? Is he still good when you get laid off? Is he good when you go to the doctor and you get a clean report, everything's golden, everything's great? Is he still good when you get the C report? See, again, it's like that word good. It's hard to get our arms around. It's very subjective. It's very difficult. Is he good? Are they not good? What does good mean? Is it a moving target? And I've come today as we start a new series, and I want to tell everybody right out of the day that God is good. Come on, somebody. God is good. You know, as we're stepping into a series today called Doctrine for Dummies, um, some people, I think, took offense at that. Like, I'm not talking down at you like I have it all figured out. If you don't know, that's a very common book series. They have four dummy books out there on how to speak Spanish for dummies. Uh, how to do uh, mechanics for dummies, uh, calculus for dummies. I mean, they have a dummy series. So we just thought, you know, since figuring out what it is that we believe is important, that it would be important to look at some of the key things that we believe as Christ followers. Because maybe you're here and your thought is, hey, I'm spiritual, but I don't know if I'm a Christian. And there is a big gap because specifically being a Christian, gives us some boundaries of who we worship and how we worship. It's not just the free-for-all. Specifically, we worship the living God, and he calls us specifically to worship, not just in song, but with our lifestyle, with our actions, with our strength, with our deeds. And so as we step through this series, our goal is not just to give you information, but my prayer is that God would give you a revelation that would change not just what you believe, but how you behave that would shape not just who we are, but how we live. And so that's the purpose of this series. What we're going to tackle for the next few weeks are this. God good, devil bad, man broken, and Jesus saves. Because I think if we get those four right, those are the, kind of the big chunks of, of what we believe from what God's told us in Scripture. And so that's where we're going to turn, right, is, is God is good. Everybody shout that, God is good. That is lame. Y'all were killing it during worship. And now you're going to leave me hanging, right? Don't make me get a guitar and make us sing it. Come on, everybody shout, God is, good. God is good. God is good. When I say God is good, I mean God is holy and completely good in everything that he is and everything that he does. I mean God is good in his nature and God is good in his character. God is good in who he is and God is good in what he does. In fact, if you're taking notes, that's exactly it. God is good and God does good. That's exactly what David says in Psalm 119. He says this, you are good and you do only good. Think about that. God is good. Come on. God is good. good. All the time and all the time. Again, as we wrestle through this, I mean, it's such a big idea. Where do we get it from? Well, for each of these four messages, we're going to look first at the book of Genesis. It's known as the book of beginnings. Because in the book of beginnings, specifically in the first several chapters, you'll find each of these large components introduced. We're going to find out who God is. We're going to find out who the devil is. We're going to find out why we're broken. And we're going to find out because there's a clear picture of who Jesus is. And so let's jump right in because, again, the Bible, if you don't know this, the Bible, it's a revelation of who God is, who we are, and God's plans to rescue us. And so, like, it's not just up for debate. God's clearly told us who he is. God's clearly told us what he's like And when you jump right into the book of Genesis, here's what you find Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, just real quick, this is a great picture of the Big Bang because right in one moment, God made time in the beginning, created the heavens, space, and the earth matter. In one moment, time, space, and matter left into existence. But this gives us a much deeper picture because it peels back the layer of who the God is that we worship and who we serve. In the beginning, which means God existed before time came into being, which means God's eternal. That means God has always been and will always be, always will be. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Before you ever showed up, he was, and when we're long gone, he'll still be. God is eternal. Come on, somebody. So, Again, these are pictures. I'm going to give you a couple of God's attributes. Like, what makes up God? Who is God? Like, what are we to think about Him? So, again, He's revealing Himself that, first of all, in the beginning, He's eternal. God created. God is letting us know that He's a creative God. And God's a creative God. The reason that's important because we know that the Word tells us this that He made. Basically, everything out of nothing. Ex nilo, that's the Latin, which means God doesn't need to to have anything to do something in your life. God can start from scratch and build something incredible. When you look at creation, every quasar, every star, every galaxy, every planet was made by God's word. And if God can create that, imagine what he can create in your life if you'll give him a platform and an opportunity to do something. God is a creative God. He's not just eternal. He's not just a creator. But you go through this and it says he created the heavens and the earth which means God is great. If God can make all of this, come on, say it with me. God is great. As you move through the story, Genesis chapter one, God is making birds and trees and plants and animals. And God is making right all this stuff and he's putting it all in place. And then you find out that God makes man and he comes and he hangs out with humanity. And the reason this is really important because you get the picture of what God wants us to know is that he's personal. He's not a God way up there on a throne somewhere that's disconnected from his creation. He's not not the clockmaker that wound up the clock and backed away and just lets it run. God is involved in the details of our lives. The Bible says that our tears are stored in his bottle, that the hairs on our head are numbered by him, that God knows all of your days they're in his book before you were ever born. God is personal. He wants to know you, hang out with you, and have a relationship with you. Come on, somebody. God is eternal. God is great. God God is a creator. God is personal. And when you go through, you get to the end of Genesis chapter one and it says this, then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was what? Very good because a good God makes good things. Amen. And so you immediately get the picture that God is good, that God is good. When we say good, if you're taking notes, here's a couple of things. I mean this, that God is the standard for morality and what is right. Like we need, right? We what is right? If I were to ask you what is right, what is good, we would get varied answers, varied opinions. In fact, not only would our answers be different, I would say there's times you and I would disagree. If I gave you a list of lifestyles, behaviors, and actions, some of us would agree they're okay, and some of us would say no way. Some of us would say that's okay, and some of us would say no, that's not right. I watched a video about two weeks ago of people interviewing, uh, of a group of people interviewing individuals on their thoughts of Hitler. And the question was simply this Was Hitler evil? Now, you might say I'm judgmental, but I would say somebody who thinks his race is greater than any race at the cost of sacrificing six million men, women, and children in ovens and gas chambers. I don't know about you, but I'd say that's pretty evil. But do you know most of those people could not say that Hitler was evil? I mean, I, I wouldn't have done it. That was an answer. Some people said, well, maybe he had a mental disorder. I mean, evil, I don't know. Crazy, maybe. I don't know if anybody has been catching up with the news of the compound discovered in New Mexico, right? There's a guy been kidnapping children. He takes these children to his compound. Young girls that he has sex with, young boys, all of them starving. In fact, there was a child yet identified, found in the middle of the compound, dead, decomposing, that he died from starvation. Wearing tattered clothing, very little to eat, very dirty settings. And ultimately, his goal was to raise these kids to be school bombers. Now, I don't know about you, but anybody that kidnaps children, rapes little girls, and trains children to grow up to be bombers, I don't have a problem calling them evil. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm just telling you that's my opinion. You guys might be there like, well, you don't know the whole story. I mean, we got to figure it Yeah, yeah. But again, think about this. When we say that God is the standard for morality, it's because, let's be honest, sometimes we're not really sure What's moral and what's not? We have a hard time agreeing together. Is that lifestyle good or bad? Is that action right or wrong? Like, and we start getting subjective. And give me the background. Here's the way Isaiah said it. Isaiah said it this way. What sorrow for those who say that evil's good and that good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. These first two words, everyone shout at them. He says, what sorrow? He's saying, like, if you can't figure out the standard. If you don't really know what's right and what's wrong, if you don't know what's good and what's evil, then you'll just embrace anything. You'll accept anything. You'll walk in anything. And if you'll walk in anything, you'll miss the best that God has for your life. So we need a standard for what's right. You know, a lot of us, what we think the standard is, is us. If I ask every one of you one-on-one, are you a good person? You know, I mean, I would venture to say all. All of us would say, I'm good. I mean, I'm pretty good. I mean, like six days a week, about 18 hours a day. I'm really good when I sleep. Let's say that. Come on, somebody. I can't help what I dream. Come on. Like, I'm, I'm good most of the time, right? It's like, it's, it's not sure. Well, are you good or are you not good? Well, I'm good most of the time. I mean, I messed up once last week. Well, which is it? See, again, when we ask like, people, what is your definition of good, it moves, it changes. It's very subject to our opinion. It's very subject to our experience. It depends on our viewpoint and what we've gone through. And God says we need a very clear standard of what is right and what is wrong. And God shows up and, said, and he makes himself known that he is good, that he is the standard for right, that he is the standard for morality. And the reason that's important is because God steps on the scene and he wants us to know it. In fact, if you're taking notes, God is free. This is what it means for God to be good. God is free from anything wicked or evil. When you read the page of scripture, like all these words jump out and they're all big words and they're all important that encompass this idea that God is good. Words like holy, just, righteous, loving. Those all point back that God is good. Let's just talk about the word holy. Everybody say holy. Holy, Holy. what it means to be holy means that God is pristine. God is perfect, that there's nothing wrong with him. In fact, the word holy means perfection or set apart, that God is set apart from anything that's evil. that's important when it pertains to us because when God steps on the scene and gives us the standard for morality or the standard for what's right or what's wrong, when God does that, here's what he does. God wants good from us. God can say, I expect you to do good because I've shown you what good is. I expect you to avoid evil and wrong because I've shown you clearly what it is. It's not subjective. It's not up to your opinion depending on where you're born, what your viewpoint is, or what your circumstance. There is a right and there is a wrong. It's not subjective. It is objective, and it's found in the God of the universe. He is good. He's good. And so, God, there's a, there's a story in the New Testament where this man runs up to Jesus, and like he's starting to figure some things out about Jesus. I mean, he's teaching in a way that nobody's ever taught, starting to work some pretty profound miracles, kind of not common. He's raising people from the dead. That's one. And so he starts to figure out that there's something more to this guy, Jesus, than just an everyday guy. And so he runs up to him, and he says this. He says, hey, good teacher, What do I have to do to get eternal life? Like, what do I need to do? And then Jesus says this. Jesus says, hey, why do you call me good? Nobody's good but God. Now, what Jesus is doing is he's clarifying, hey, I want you to make sure you know who you're talking to. Because if you ask me what my standard for good is, like, it's subjective and it's going to move. But what Jesus is saying, do you know who you're talking to? If you're going to call me good, you better know there's only one person who's truly good, and that's God. Because all of us who think we're good, the Bible says there's none of us righteous, no, not One. So he's saying there's only one person who's really good, and it's me. So when I give you my answer, you better believe it's the right answer, it's the best answer, and it's the only answer. And when we miss what God has for us, right, we miss the standard, we miss God's best. Because God is holy, man. That's what he expects from anybody around him. When you look in the Old Testament, God says this to his people, the nation of Israel, and then Jesus repeats it to us as Christ followers. In the New Testament, he says this, be holy because I'm holy. In case you missed it, he said, be perfect because I'm perfect. And then Paul repeats it in second Corinthians where he says this, he says, Hey, if you're a Christ follower, if you love Jesus, then come out from among them. Don't, don't hang out and don't live with and don't walk like, and don't live like, and don't reflect this world because this world is not good. So he says, come out from among them and be separate, be Holy. And so God, when he sets the standard, all of a sudden he's saying, hey, here's how I've called you to live. Here's where, here's where the standard is. Here's where the bar is. And anytime time we lower the standard to what this world says, anytime time we accept the goodness that this world offers us or world feeds us, any time we move the bar, we miss God's best. Any time we lowered the standard, we miss success. Any time we change the definition of good, we miss living the life that's great. And so God steps up and says, here's good, man. I'm good. Come and be good. Come and follow me. Now, here's the idea again. God is good. Some people might say, really? God is good? Have you read the Old Testament? There are a lot of books written right now by what's known as the new atheist. Hitchens and different individuals like that. And one of the things that they will point to to devalue who we call God is by pointing to the Old Testament. Have you read the Old Testament? Like, there is all kinds of murder and God judging and wiping people out. How can a God who's like that in fact, Christopher Hitchens very clearly calls him a monster. How can you call a monster God? And really what we're talking about is there's this tension between God's justice and God's love. And all of those are encompassed in God's goodness. Justice is this. Justice is that there's a penalty for doing wrong. Come on, somebody. There is a penalty for doing something wrong. Now, how we feel about justice depends on what side of justice you're on. How you view justice depends on whether you're the offended or the offender. Come on. If you're driving down the road and some maniac passes by you doing 20 miles over the speed limit and later on they get pulled on down the road, you're like, I hope you get a ticket. <laughs> Until you're the person late for your appointment and you're doing 15 miles per hour over the speed limit and you get pulled over and you know what you think? Officer, please don't give me a ticket. Come on. It's, it's the difference of how we view Justice. One of the situations I've seen here, right? I've seen it lots of times. I've been in ministry a long time. I've seen this, unfortunately, play out, is that an accident will happen that costs the life of somebody. And you ask them, what should happen to a person, even if it was by accident, that takes the life of someone else? You know what the answer is for us? It depends. Are you the offender or the offended? Because the person who lost their loved one will demand justice. And the person whose maybe child it was that caused the death will want grace. See, we want grace for our sin, and we want judgment for other people's sin. So for us, man, when we battle this tension, like, how how can God be just? Like, first of all, I don't think we're in the place really to, to judge God morally. But if we are, I mean, think about this. If God is just, we call him harsh. If God penalizes sin, we're like, man, you're mean. But if he just lets people get by with things, man, we're like, he's not just. Well, which is it? And here's, I want you to see this because in one sweeping move, God demonstrated really how good he is, that he is just. There is a penalty for doing wrong, but God is good because he is loving. If you're taking notes, I'd say it this way. God's justice demands a payment for sin and God's love provides a payment of sin in his son, Jesus. God is just and he is the justifier. He raised the standard and we couldn't meet it. He made a way for all of us to be forgiven, to find salvation, to find renewing, to find a new beginning. God is just. He is good. Calls us to good. When we can't be good, he made a way for us to be good. He took our sin and gave us righteousness. He, gave, he took our darkness and gave us light. He took our wickedness and gave us life. Come on, somebody. Is anybody here thankful today for what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary? Come on, make some noise in this place. So God is good. We get this standard. What's really good? What's really pure? What's really right? It's not subjective. It's not a moving target. God comes and he reveals it to us. He shows us. And then he calls, and calls us to follow that pattern, to live that life, to set as our standard for good, for what he calls good, not for what this world calls good. And it's not just that good wants, God wants good for us. Watch this. From us, God wants good for us. God is good all the time. Come on, all the time. God is good. There's a great scripture, man, for me, one of my favorites. It might be yours too, but this idea that God wants good for us. Check this out. As we know, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the, come on, of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know what God is saying? God is saying, man, I may not look good in the moment, but you better believe I'm going to look good when it all shakes out because I'm working in the background in a way that you can't see. And I'm going to work things out in a time you may not anticipate. But the good news is, is God is working on our behalf, in our circumstances, in our situations. He's going to work them together. How? For the what? For the good. That means he's working in families that are falling apart. He's working for the good. In sickness and disease, when it looks like where God is at, God is saying, I'm there in the background and I'm working details together. Come on, say it for the good. God is working in finances. God is working on the mountaintop and in the valley. God is working in it all because God is good. He said, Man, I'm working it together. Again, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like God is good. There's a story found in, in John chapter 11. It's a story of Jesus and this guy by the name of Lazarus, right? And When you read the story, we find out that Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha, this this threesome of a family. And Mary and Martha go to where Jesus is, and they go to him, and they get to him, and they're like, hey, Jesus, come and and do something like Lazarus, you know your friend, like he's sick, come and help him out. And if you were to ask Mary and Martha in that moment, in the beginning of the story, is God good? You know what they probably would have said? I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, why why is Lazarus sick? But I mean, we prayed and we asked Jesus to come, so I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. You fast forward in the story and you find out that Jesus doesn't leave when he's supposed to. Like He doesn't make a beeline for Lazarus. In fact, John, the author tells us that Jesus stays two days where he's at. By the time he gets to where Lazarus is, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. If in the moment Lazarus died and you asked Mary and Martha, is God good? You know what they would have said? Definitely not, because we prayed and God didn't come through. We asked God and He didn't show up. We prayed that He would be healed and He wasn't and He died. Why? God is not good because He let this happen. So in the beginning of the story, they probably weren't sure in the middle of the story, definitely not. But when you read the story, you get to the end, Jesus finally shows up. And Jesus stands in front of the grave where Lazarus is buried. And he says this, Lazarus, come forth. And and Lazarus raises from the dead and walks out of that tomb. And if you ask Mary Martha, is God good when it's all done? They would have said, absolutely. Here's what I want you to know today. Does God get the credit when everything's good and he is good and we should tell him, but we just let him off the hook when it's not good? No, what I want you to know is that God is good all the time. God is good in light of the circumstances, and God is good in spite of the circumstances. When you get the job, when you get the good report, when your family's going well, when you got resources in the bank, when life is going well, God should get the credit because God is good and God is blessing us. But when things are down, you got laid off, you get a bad doctor's report, you just got a divorce, God is still good. Do you know why? Because God in the background is working those things together for good. You may not understand the situation, but you gotta know your Savior that He is good. And when you know that He's good, He gets it's less blame and you get more belief because we're trusting that God is working all things together for good. Come on, somebody. Like God is good because he's the standard. He's good when we're not. He's the standard we're called to follow, not just called to follow, but he's the one who wants to be good in our life. David understood this, man. David, he was the king of the nation of Israel. Man, he saw it all. He saw peacetime and he saw war. He saw times where he was at the pinnacle of his career as king. And he saw times where he was in the valley, hiding in mountains from the previous king who was trying to kill him. He saw times where he was celebrated. He saw times where his kingdom was divided. He saw everything. He saw the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And the one thing he knew is the one thing I want you to get your heart around today when you're hurting and when life doesn't make sense When you're wondering, God, where are you? And God, are you good? It's a question that should be answered with the exclamation point that God is good. And God does good. Because here's what David discovered. And this is not the only time he says it. But in Psalm 106, he says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his faithful love endures forever. Come on, God is good. And all the time. Does anybody here believe that today? Come on, let's give him praise in this place. It's funny because Jesus, he steps on the scene. And again, the goal, the goal of scripture is to let us know who God is. Like, what is God like? So people started getting confused. And so you know what? He showed up himself to clarify the details. That's who Jesus was, God in the flesh. He wraps himself in humanity and he shows up. And he says things like this, you want to know what God's like? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've heard me, you heard the father. You want to know what the father thinks? Listen to me. You want to know how the father treats people? Watch me. And Jesus, man, he goes off the rails in grace. Man, people caught in all kinds of issues and troubles and situations. God just pours out grace through his son, Jesus. But one of the things that Jesus lets us know about who God is, is he introduces this idea that like not not God is just eternal and he's not just a creator, and he's not just mighty, but God is a father. Like he gives us this picture, like when you look at God, I want you to think of a father. And now if you're here and you've had some rough goings, maybe with your dad or you don't even know your dad, it might be hard for you to connect with this. But think of the highest standard, the best dad. He says, that's who your heavenly father is. Which means one of the things he lets us know about this God that we serve, who is good, is that he's a disciplinarian. Come on. Now, I don't know about you, but nobody likes being disciplined. I remember lots of times a kid, man, uh, or at least a couple times where, like, I'd get in trouble, young kid, I'd get spanked, or I'd get sent to my room and stand at the top of my steps in emotional (laughs) wrecks, I hate you, until they came back up and finished off the job, right? Did I hate that I got spanked? Yes. Did I hate that I was getting disciplined? Yes. Did I hate that I got caught on the carpet for doing what I did? Yes. But I'm telling you, it's only a good heavenly father that loves you enough to discipline you and steer you off a route that will end in your hurt and in your harm. It's a good God who disciplines, not a good God who lets us go. And so that's why the Bible tells us, man, that whom God loves, he disciplines, he chastens. That's who God is. He's our heavenly father. And he loves us enough to give a rip. I mean, man, I don't know about you guys, but I want to be the parent I, I never have and I never will, but I got to fight at every moment. When I see that kid throwing a fit in Walmart, I want to spank that kid if his parents won't. I'll go to jail because she deserves it. Come on, I'll do a three to five stretch to save that kid's future. Woo! Come on. I mean, y'all looking at like, what is she doing? Beat that kid. Do you know why? Because you're like, that's not, if she's acting like that at three, wait till she turns 13. And her poor husband. (laughs) God doesn't stand a chance. So Jesus steps on the scene. and He says, hey, man, the God you serve is like a father. And There might be times in your life you're like, God, like, why this and why that? And why is this going on? And God's saying, hey, sometimes I want you to know that God is personal. And as a person, he's involved in your life. And the way he approaches your life is like a father. And you're his sons and daughters. Which means there's going to be times he chastens you and times he disciplines you. And it might hurt for a while and sting for a while. And you may not understand why. But ultimately, God is in it for the long game, not just the moment. God is in it just to make you happy in the moment. God is in it for you to have life in this life. And he's not just a disciplinarian, but God, we find this out, that God is the perfect gift giver. That God, doesn't give, that God gives gifts consistent with His character, not always what we ask. Come on, that's important because some of you are asking for some, for some stuff from God that if he gave it to you, it would pull you further away from God and not to God. Some of you are like, God, give me a boat. I wish I had a boat. God, if, I had a... if you had a boat, you wouldn't be here today. You'd be on the water. <laughs> some of you, the, the worst thing you could ever have is a boat, right? So God knows what we need. For, so for Christmas last year, uh, last year I gave, um, gave my son and my daughter, I have a son and two daughters. I gave two of the three a toolkit, Now, let me just tell you, when they unwrapped the present, they were not wild or blown away that they got tools. Nobody cried. There were no tears. Nobody said, this is what I asked for. I sat on Santa's lap and asked for tools. But let me just tell you, those tools have been used exclusively by both those kids, and they quit touching my tools, which that's a win. And the other daughter that didn't get no tools, because I knew she would despise the tools. You know what she wished she had? Because she just moved out. Some tools. Now, listen, I knew that's not what they wanted, but I knew in life it's what they needed and what they would get. I'm telling you, your heavenly father is so good. He's good enough not to always give you what you ask for, but he's good enough to always give us what we need to get us where he wants us for us to have the life he's called us for. He's good. Come on, everybody shout he's good. He's good. He's good when it doesn't feel like it, when it doesn't look like it, when the world doesn't agree with it. He is the standard. He is the epitome. He is the one. He is good. He's the one we shoot for. He's the one we aim to. He's the one we worship. He's the one we follow. He's good when it doesn't feel like it. When it doesn't sense like it, He is good. God is working in my life. He's working in my details. He's working in my family. He's working in my ministry. He's working in my kids. He's working in my finances. God is busy in every detail of my life. He's got my tears and my hairs. He's got Every circumstance worked out. He's working. Come on, everybody shout, he's working. He's working. He's got a full time and a double time and extra time. He's working in my life to cause everything to come together for good, for good. And so God is good and God does good. He wants good from us and he wants good for us and he does it all. Because it's our goodness. It's his goodness that draws us in. Here's here's what Paul said, man, I love this. He said, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean that nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? What he's saying is like, I don't serve God because I'm afraid of him. I serve God because I love him. I'm not trying to get God to love me. I'm serving him because he loves me. I want to lay down my life for him because he laid down his life for me. It's his kindness that draws me. I'm not afraid of him. I'm drawn to him. He's not mad at me. He's not mad at you. He loves you in a way you could never imagine. And it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. See, there's something about the goodness of God. See, when I talk about God's attributes, I love his goodness the best. Do you know why? Because it's his goodness that draws all the rest of his attributes to me. God is merciful to me because he's good. God is great in my life because he's good. It's his love that's drawn to me because he's good. It's his justice that's in my life because he's good. It's God's goodness that enfolds all of God is to show up in my life. All of God and all that he is and all that he does comes into my life because he is good. good. And you know what goodness does? When you start believing and stop blaming because you know he's good, I'm just telling you, it puts a new level of hope in you. Like you don't look at a situation saying, God, where are you at? You look at a situation and say, God, I know you're there. This is what David said. Watch this. David said it this way. David said in Psalm 27, verse 13, he said, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I'd have tapped in. I'd have thrown up the towel. He said, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to find out God is good. You can discover it every day in every situation that God is good. If you change how you perceive, you'll change what you receive. If you change how you see things, you'll change what you possess. See, when I see God is good, it gives me hope to press in. It gives me faith to believe. Like I can pray for big things when I know God is good. I can trust that he's in my life, so it pulls me and it presses me And I pray, I believe, I trust. It gives me hope, it gives me joy because God is good. If you don't have the understanding of how good God is, it's really easy to get hopeless in this world because sometimes God doesn't show up writing his signature, in the clouds and sometimes he's not there in a way that's so clear that there's no denying it sometimes it feels like we're not sure and sometimes it looks like he may not be there but when you start with who he is and who he always is that he is good he's got good for you and good for me that in the middle of hell on earth somehow some way God's working it together for good Father, I come, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray, God, as some of us in this room are wrestling with your goodness. Father, I pray, God, today we would hear this word, and I pray it would establish our hearts to have that trust in who you are, that you are good. If you're here all over this room, if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, like, pray for me. I need, I need to know that God is good. I need God to adjust my standard of good. If you need to see good in a different light today, if you need to see God is good in your situation today, if that's you all over this room, man, if you just need God to adjust your good lever, I want you to lift a hand real high all over this room. I need to see God is good. I need to know what God is. Come on, lift your hand all over this room. I need to know that God is good. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray, God, establish in them the understanding and revelation of really who you are, That God, in the middle of every circumstance of life, we can stand and declare that God is good. You're working good, and you want good for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Come on, let's give God praise today. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week for week two.